What's going on, savages? How are you? Welcome to another episode of the Savage Snowflake Podcast with me, Jeff Leach, your friend, your diligent student, your orator, your teacher, who knows, the guy who might come around and say, listen, I've run out of toilet paper, I just need you to lend me a roll, and you're like, dude, this is quite a valuable commodity right now, and I'm like, we've been friends for years, surely we can lend each other a, a toilet roll, can't we? And you're like, all right, I'll do it just this one time. And then we swap email addresses. We Skype together. We become friends. Eventually, our children marry each other. We become in-laws together. And the rest is beautiful history. How are you, one and all? How are you surviving this quarantine? I hope you're doing all right. I'm, uh, I'm not going stir crazy. I got out into the sunshine today, the California sunshine. Soaked up a little bit of that vitamin D. If you have an opportunity to do that safely, please do it. But make sure you wear masks. Make sure you wear gloves. Make sure you stay the hell away from people. At least six foot, if not 16 feet. That's the new one. 60. If you're as tall as me, stay 100 feet away from everyone. Go running in the mountains and then come home and lock yourself up immediately. I hope your loved ones are safe. I hope your family is safe. Um, uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much to all of the new sponsors as well. On Patreon, we've had a whole load of support come through over the last week. Thank you very much to Courtney T, Ryan Booker, Dirty Danny, sorry, Dirty Danny, John Whiteboy, Nikki Thompson, Frizzcast, Hunter Jones, Macy Rifsoon, and Alkiora. Cypher. I hope I said your surname correctly there and your first name correctly, Alquiera. That was a, a beautiful, a beautiful name and a joy to say out loud on the podcast. Uh, thank you very much as well to our wonderful sponsors, cbdeeper.com. Make sure you check out all of their products on cbdeeper.com, their website. You can get these wonderful CBD vapes. Uh, these cartridges are just $15.99 for the half grams and $25.99 for the full grams. 50% plus CBD in every single one. Free of vitamin E. Don't worry, you're safe. They have lab tests from Canasafe on their website with every single one of their purchases. It shows that there's no vitamin E, no heavy metals, and no pesticides in any of their products. Completely natural, organic hemp from Southern Oregon. Enjoy it. cbdeeper.com and make sure you use code SAVAGE over there and you'll get 10% off every single order. Mwah, beautiful. What more could you want? I'll tell you what you could want. You'd want this gentleman, a wonderful guest who's going to be joining me today all the way from the fair island of United Kingdom. His name is Danny Wallace. He is a novelist. He is a screenwriter. He is a humorist. He is a TV and radio host. He has also been an actor, a voice actor, and he's also a cult leader. Danny Wallace, how are you, mate? Hello, Jeff. How are you? I'm good. We've already said this. We've already done it. I like how we're pretending. We're like a little thing, yeah, just time. before. What's so bad about vitamin E? I thought vitamin, I thought anything that began with vitamin is a good thing. Is that a bad thing? What, what's yeah. wrong with vitamin E? Not in, you're not meant to inhale vitamin E because if you do, oh. you might die. So, which uh, one is E? Because uh, C is good, D is excellent. D what, is what happened with E? I mean, E's great if you rub it on your skin. It's a wonderful, sure. you know, it's a wonderful healing agent. Um, right. But if you inhale it into your lungs, you'll die. I see. Yeah, never so do that. Yeah, you should avoid that. I mean, like, yeah, try I and avoid so. dying at all costs. Otherwise, uh, I, I, I like your setup here. You've got um, a red and black gaming chair, red and black soundproofing, a red Thanks, and black man. t-shirt. Do you it like my, my pictures? Oh, I don't know if you can quite make those out on this stream. These are uh, pictures I can of our... make them out. Yeah, I don't oh, like them. I'll be honest. Oh. Um, they, they get worse the higher up you get. I like the, sort of the, the mermaid man, the dog I love. Merman, uh, this is what's this happening is in the top one. A giant squid. This is like a Cthulhu doggo. And this yeah. is a centaur, Dan Lloyd. Dan Lloyd, yeah. Ziggy Sawdust, and Siggy Riggy are $50 patron to, supporters. You need to burn the top one in the small house fire <laughs> that you have at the back. What is wow. that? Uh, small house fire? Where are you seeing that? Oh, you mean here well, on the background? It looks like, a, I mean, it's probably supposed to be a candle of some kind, but it looks massive. Candle? What, are, what are is you that? Talking, are you talking about this thing? This here? The fire. 
Oh, the fire over there. Those, that's a candle. That's a candle. Well, that it looks enormous. Oh, well, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a candle with three wicks. You know. The three-wick candle. The holy trinity of candles. Wow. Well, well done. Um, so you're surviving your quarantine experience. We've just briefly discussed it. You've got three youngsters. Yeah. So you've been yeah. uh, thinking up inventive ways to be a diligent father whilst also not wanting to murder your offspring. I live in a very loud house. You know, a lot of people, um, I feel very bad for the people who are spending quarantine on their own. All right. That, that goes without saying, because the days are long. Um, you've only got so many books in your house. Right. Netflix, you've probably completed Netflix. You've probably completed Twitter by this yeah. stage. But, but um, there was going to be a but. It's also very loud. Yeah, 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 it's also very loud when you've got like three children who need to How, how old are the cons- kiddies? Um, they are 10, 5, and 3. Oh, wow. Um, okay, yeah, so there's three. a lot of noise going on for different reasons. One is obsessed with TikTok and uh I thought you were going to say something different was- there. I was like, <laughs> uh, the 10-year-old boy, he's obsessed with tits, just loves tits, <laughs> really into No, them. no, no, he's not a leech. He's a oh, okay, what? So he's, he's a wholesome guy. Um, and then uh, today we put up some, we've got a garden and um, and every time anyone mentions they've got a garden, you mm. have to then go, which we're very grateful for. Mm, yeah, 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 of course. Aren't like, you know. uh, so we put up some bird boxes um, and the birds have no interest uh, in these boxes and I doubt they ever will. But the the pure, uh, just the, the fact that we had something to do yeah, today, yeah, yeah. which was put some nails on the side of a shed and stick up some bird boxes that will never be used. Oh, you didn't um, build the bird boxes? No, come on. Look at me. I've never built anything. So uh, I bought them off the internet. Right. Um, and uh, I bought put some them nails up. and a hammer. Yeah. Have you got, a t- you got a toolbox in your house, though? You've got a toolbox, right? Dude, of course. Well, of I course. don't know. You, I don't, don't, you, you I rolled don't know your eyes at the do. concept of building bird boxes. I don't know if you've no, got tools. I've got a leaf blower that I've used once Wow! because okay. uh, it ran out of um, either petrol or diesel, and I don't know which one it was, so I can't refill it because I'll you break just it. gave up. So that's gone. Okay. Um, I've got various little extension cords. Um, I have a small hammer. So, yeah, I- I'm ready for this. And, have you got um, the obligatory man uh, man drawer that I think Michael McIntyre talked about in one of his stand-up specials with, with, with a couple of light bulbs in it, some screws of different varying lengths? Yeah. Um, if you're a elastic band. Obviously, everyone does. And I look down and I, I've got old Nokia chargers. I've <sighs> got printer cables. Um, for They're going to come back that... one day. One day. When this 5G yeah. starts killing everyone and melting their brains, the old Nokia 9210 is going to come back into play. Mark my words. That's the way we'll get through this. The Nokia. Um, you, the government can't track a Nokia yeah. or a clam phone. Remember then the clam phones? Yeah, the flip, fo- flip phone. Yeah. Clam phone? I don't know. I, is that, did I make that up? Yeah, I, th- I mean, it's beautiful. It's I mean, a you're, phone, yeah, it would be very wide. You're a professional writer. I'm not going to question it, but it's yeah, it's like sounds... one of those ladies' makeup things. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, the, you're thinking the, of like a, maybe like a BlackBerry. Like, oh no, what was the one? Uh, what was it called? The one that you slide out the keyboard? <gasps> oh my god, they were so cool. Americans that was a BlackBerry, right? No, no, because no, there was there were Blackberries, and then there was the then there was the one the way you you slide the keyboard down, and you used oh. to oh, kick a kick a kick for a kick. No That's one what, knows what you're talking about. Everyone in that, America that, does. Everyone in America no, they does don't. right now. No, they yeah. don't. Um, <laughs> uh, a Palm Pilot? A Palm Pilot? Did you have one of them? Pa- never had a Palm Pilot. I'm, you're seven years older than me, so I think you you maybe had the technology that was cool yeah. back then. You had that yeah. shit, and I couldn't. I've got the tools kid. to survive. It's yeah, your you had generation. A page. Did you have a pager? You had a pager once. I had two pages. Yeah, there you go. So fact, I never had a pager. <laughs> I worked for, uh, at one point, I worked for a, a magazine. Um, uh, just very briefly as a freelancer called T3. Uh, 
tomorrow's technology today. Okay. And it was so long ago that pages were like brand new. And I was asked to review seven pages. And they sent me all these pages. And the thing is about reviewing a pager is they all do exactly the same thing. So you have to be, you know, very inventive in your reviews in order to make this interesting in any way. Because all that happens is someone rings your pager and your pager goes off. Right. And I had to write a thousand words about this and differentiate uh, between the different pages. And all I could really say was, this one's blue, this one's pink. And I remember I was going to university and I was in a transition period betwixt pages um, and, uh, and a normal phone. And vibrating um, was uh, what the pager did and also the phone. Right. And I had my phone in my pocket and I had a pager on my belt because I was that cool. And I remember uh, being so nervous all the time that one of them was going to start vibrating at any point. And I'm sitting in a lecture and it happened, right? Something vibrated. Right. And I didn't know if the pager is the phone and I threw my stuff around and I'm panicking. And what actually happened was um, I was very hungry and my tummy had rumbled. And I, thinking someone needs to contact me urgently, uh, through I mean, it was, around. it was your large intestine was contacting It was my large intestine telling saying, me to eat, eat some fucking food, Dan. Yeah. Wow. That was the most wholesome story that's ever been told on this podcast as well. Also, that's the only story <laughs> anyone's ever told in the history of mankind about pages. Uh, I mean, but you know what? Well, since the fucking early 80s, yeah, probably. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be a good story because it's nah. free. Exactly. It's free. It's free. So All of this is free. It's a little bit of nostalgia as well, which is nice, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, for my generation, not yours. Are you scared of five G? I think people are now considering that that's going to kill us all, isn't it? This is the new. This <laughs> yeah. is the new it's going to give us. I was us thinking cancer. about this. Yeah, I've been. I've been thinking about it. I've been thinking about writing a thing about it um, because over here, some of our biggest celebrities um, have been um, extraordinarily worried about five G. Wait, hang on. Like using... who? Because I'm. I'm not tapped into the uh, British uh, celebrity culture anymore. Lee Ryan from Blue. Oh, wow. Okay, well, now we're talking big guns. Okay. Amanda Holden from the sitcom Big Top. She's all right. Amanda Holden's had a, a pretty illustrious career in the UK. She's a decent, decent star there. Okay. Um, Eamon Holmes, a stand-in host on a morning show. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so the top talent, they yeah. are very worried about 5G. And over here, as I imagine over there, various numbskulls have been um, burning down 5G uh, masts. Um, and I don't Wait, think wait I, hang on. People have been burning down the masts. Yeah, people are... That's people insanity. Are, they're going 5G crazy. And maybe does, it's the 5G What does the actress it. who plays Pat Butcher in EastEnders think about it all? Because that's really going to be the decider for me. Not seen her lately. Okay. Not seen her lately. But I imagine she's against. Yeah, yeah. And 5G... I don't know, um, like, how how much more powerful can 5G be than 4G? Because one, 4G one whole happened. G. One whole G. It's a big G. What was that, a thousand in American yeah. bucks? Is that what they say? <laughs> it's, it's a lot. It's a thousand bucks. See, I said bucks. That was good. Um, so I don't know um, how it went from, hey, my phone is a bit faster, to, oh, my God, everything's melting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in 1G. But do you remember um, when so, when mobile phone? Oh, I was about to say cell phone. Sorry. I'll, I'll I'm a pager guy. Okay. But back in the day when cell phones, mobile phones, were a new invention, I remember my yeah. dad had this first one with the battery that was about... 17 times the size of the phone the phone was quite thin but the battery yeah. was huge like this and then as they as as they developed and everyone started to have mobile phones available to them it suddenly was a thing of okay everyone's going to get cancer of the brain this is happening yeah, everyone yeah, yeah. all these brain all the radio waves are going to go into your brain and give yeah. you cancer or make you sterile and 
I don't know. I mean, I don't, as far as I know, touch wood, I don't have any cancer of the brain yet. And I keep that thing glued to my head a lot. Yeah, it feels and okay so far. I've had a the couple experiment. of couple of um, unwanted pregnancies as well. So definitely not sterile. Oh my God. They can get you pregnant. Not me. No, I, I, oh. I, I, I've not been sterilized by the cell phones. I see. As far as I know so far. I don't know. I thought, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I thought, you know, perhaps you'd had a couple of children off them. It's 2020. Been... It's 2020. I mean, I, I almost had a couple of children because of cell phones, I guess. That's what, you know, Tinder was on the cell phone. Am I right? Uh, I don't know. I just said that because um, that's not my generation. Okay. But, um, yeah, no, in terms of the phones, I've had the same phone number um, since 1994 or five. There was a kid at my school who got a mobile phone. He was the first guy I'd ever met who had a mobile phone. Everyone loved and that guy. He was so cool. No. No? Everyone went, why have you got a mobile phone? You have, none of us have got one. Do you remember so his who, name? Do you remember his first Shane name? Shane Kiley, of course. It was, well, who's sorry, Shane? You know Shane Kiley, oh, who used Shane to go to my school. Shane Kiley, yeah, 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 yeah. He's a beer teacher now. Yeah, boy, anyway, uh, about this big. That's it. Two eyes, uh, you got it. arms, he had arms. And a mouth. That's the one. And he used the mouth for his uh, mobile phone, but none of us had a mobile phone and we were his entire social group. So we weren't entirely sure who he was calling. And also in those days, to make a, uh, like a, a single mobile phone call, um, I think you had to, I think you had to sell all your gold for like, <laughs> for like one call. Yeah, so that, was, we, the, that we, was the deal. Yeah, we didn't understand. Anyway, then one day I went to London and uh, I went to this, like, it was called the Future Entertainment Show. So wait, where were you from? You um, were from up north, somewhere in the Midlands, weren't you? you I, um, yeah, sort of, yeah. I, um, I started in Scotland. Oh, wow. Dundee, there. actually, I did read that. Dundee. Dundee. Sorry, I did do my research. I did, I did yeah. do a little bit of research. I was on the, the East Coast, and then I moved down to the Midlands, and then Berlin for a bit. And then you and took then the big down jump to down to becoming a soft southerner. Exactly. Okay, so you um, came down to London. Sorry, I interrupted the story. No, no, but I, I went to this uh, this like E three style entertainment show. Okay. Um, it was just when Red Bull came out, right? And we didn't know what Red Bull was, mm -hmm. and we were on a stage doing a thing about video games, and all these children were in front of us, and someone from Red Bull came over and went, "Can we give you lots of Red Bull? Because we've got lots of Red Bull, and mm. we have to get rid of this Red Bull." And we didn't know what Red Bull was, and we were like, "Sure." We'll give it to the children. So we gave it to <laughs> And okay. we couldn't understand why. Less than 10 minutes later, it was like a prison riot. Yeah. And there were children crawling all over the stage. There was people trying to nick our jackets. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And I was particularly worried because one of them um, had his hands on my brand new mobile phone. Right. Which I'd only bought because um, I had no... Uh, <laughs> what, a kid just swiped your phone? Tried to. And I was like, no, no. Only later did we realise it was the Red Bull, the Devil's Work. Well, hang on, hang um, on. No, he sounds like a fucking thief. That's not. That's not Red Bull. Like Red Bull gives you wings. It doesn't give you a desire to take other people's personal belongings. No, it doesn't. No, but it could have given them a prison tattoo if I had anything to do with it. Exactly. But there's um, uh, these women um, who were employed to um, say hello to you and go, um, "Hello, um, this is a mobile phone. Would you like one?" And they were all like models and I that. see. So and, you got um, a freebie had... because you're a celebrity. No, no, I was like uh, I was like 17 or something. Oh. And um, I I didn't I'd never spoken to a girl that looked like that. And yeah. so and she seemed to really like me oh. uh, because uh, that's what you think 
when, yeah, when yeah, someone's yeah. trying to give and I was going okay and she went would you like a mobile phone and I thought of Shane Kiley and I thought there is no point in me having one of these but to buy myself a couple of extra minutes of talking to her I went yes maybe and so I did it I signed up um for something it was called Cellnet. now it's wow. called O2 and I have kept the same number since that day the, the intervening 27 years or something I'm impressed um, by that because you've you know never what? called me once. Yeah, but she's thought about it many times as she's watched your rise to success and the uh, the, the various stages of your career. She's kicked yeah. herself. She's picked up that phone more times than you. She tried paging you to be fair, Danny, yeah. and you never, you didn't feel the vibration, and that was no. I got nervous. I got nervous and thought I was hungry. But it worked out great because you married your lovely wife and you had three beautiful exactly. children, and now and you know and who? Yeah, you but I'm still waiting. You're still waiting for that phone call. Because you don't know. Just for yeah. her to apologise. Yeah, what a story it would be. Yeah, just phone up and say, she just really phone up, you're like, hello? She just says, sorry. And then just hangs up. <laughs> yeah. That would be magical. I had the same phone number exactly like you since the first phone that I owned, uh, which mm. would have been a Nokia 9210 or whatnot. And I just Classic. recently, I kept it for the last four and a half years since I've been in America. Mm. And recently, I just realised I'm paying whatever it is, 30 quid a month to have a phone in England that I never really use, except for maybe yeah. one or two weeks of the year when I might be back in Europe. So oh, wow. I, I just, uh, yeah, I just cancelled it and deleted the phone number and cancelled it and broke up the SIM cards. And it was like, it was like burying a child. Yeah, it can be with those Nokias. It can be. Well, I not mean, the phone. You... No, I wasn't using the same Nokia 9210, <laughs> right? I just meant like giving up that number because it's a part of, it really is a part of identity. Like how hard is it to, oh no, I've got a new, even when you move house and you have to learn a new yeah. home address and you, you can very quickly remove that information. But phone numbers, your first mobile number, it's like a first Yeah, girlfriend. but no one's going, uh, you know, do you know Jeff Leach? And they go, oh, when you say Jeff Leach, do you mean 0793855? You know, it's not. Don't it say be it all much. on. <laughs> <laughs> it shouldn't be that much of your personality. No, you you're know, right. It's not my personality. but it's a new number. It's it's a very special thing, like the number that you have, and and I I'm interested that you haven't changed it over all those years because I I certainly when I started doing shows for BBC and actually had a modicum of success in the UK with with some kind of a fan base. Yeah, uh, people, everyone comes out of the woodwork as soon as you're on TV. Everyone, every, people you haven't spoken to for three years, or <laughs> something yeah. like. Hey, what, right, Danny mate? Uh, so I saw your show. That was pretty good. Uh -huh. Yeah, how you been, dude? You want to have a beer? And there are certain people when that happens where you know if you've popped up on something or you've done something yeah, yeah, yeah. within 10 minutes, yeah. that person who has not been in touch in forever yeah. will just go, hey, man, just thinking about you. Do you want a pint? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I got like, oh, I a lot why. of girls when I was single, a lot of women would do that. That was it. Suddenly they all wanted to, oh, hey, we should reconnect. And I'm like, no, yeah. we shouldn't. We should never reconnect. <laughs> um, I, I, but there, there, there is something. There is something about that, though, that, I, that I, I knew that if I had continued to stay in the UK and continued to do lots of TV shows, um, there would have reached a point where I would have had to have changed my number because there would have just been too many people that I didn't want to have that number mm -hmm. that owned it, you know. Sure. And you, you've done a myriad of incredible things over the course of your career. I'm going to sort of list some of them off. Um, obviously, you and I originally met at a an event what was it uh, a random acts of kindness event uh yeah what was the what was the a uh, join me meetup join me a uh, join me meetup yeah. so you, you Carmageddon. Carmageddon. thank you Carmageddon. you wrote a book um 
called Join Me, which was based off the concept where you put an ad in a local paper. Yeah. Simply asking for people to join you. It just said, join me, and then had an, a phone number. Yes. Correct? It had it, a, an, a, yeah, an address um, to which oh, they sorry, could send me a passport photo. And uh, the idea was, um, would people join something without knowing who they were joining or what they were joining or why they were joining? Um, and I didn't know either. Like, I didn't know whether they were joining either. It was a social experiment. What, you were the first YouTuber. Well, it was a social experiment, certainly. And, um, and I, I asked them to send me a passport photo because I thought, like uh, with religion, right? Um, would they put their faith in the unknown? Would they put would they go out of their comfort zone and send me a photo of themselves to a, a random place and a yeah. random person with no idea what this person was going to do with this photo? In the end, what I, what I largely did was put them up painstakingly um, in my hallway in my flat in East London, um, which very quickly became very normal to me just to have thousands of strangers staring at me. But I realized anytime I had a plumber around made me look like, a serial, a serial killer, killer. Oh, yeah. yeah, like yeah. a proper one. Yeah. Um, so I had all these things there, and um, and so all these people joined, and like I say, they didn't know what they were joining, and it was only when one of them went, "This is stupid, right? I'm leaving," because there's quite a British thing of seeing a bunch of people queuing up for something, lining up for something, and going, "I don't know what these people are lining up for." But hang on a second, you had thousands of responses to this, and and they had no well, idea. Initially, initially, I had one. Right. Initially, okay. I had one, and I think maybe I've been expecting uh, more, but I got one. Who was that was first a, member? Uh, his name was Jonesy, and um, a lovely fella. Um, I have been to his wedding since. Right. And, okay. Um, and he met another person who joined, and they fell in love at Carmageddon, the second Carmageddon. And so I went to their wedding, and they've had kids, and and Jonesy's always got a very special place in my heart. But at the time, he was single. What do they name that child? If it's not Danny, then I feel like, well, you know. let's move on then. Ugh. I don't want to get into sore points or bitter recriminations. And also, Danny context. works both ways. It could have been Danny. It could have been Danielle. It could have been D-A-N-I. There's so many options there. I did all the lifting for them. And yeah, yeah, exactly. Anyway, let's not get angry. Right. So they had their children, whatever their names are. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> before beforehand, this photo arrived, and it was just this like really super friendly looking guy, like a big smile right and he also did something extra he went yeah i'll join you and he sent a a menu for his local curry house called the madras valley and he said i recommend the chicken dansack curry and i thought what a great thing to do and so i wrote him uh, a note and i said well you know it'd be great to meet up with you and uh, work out exactly you know uh, why you've joined mm -hmm. and the thing was that i had lots of questions for him like why did you join what do you think you've joined? Why would you join? And I've sort of forgotten that he'll have lots of questions as well. Like, what have I joined? And so we Are you going to kill me and eat my liver? Will you take my skin? Yeah. Um, Why do you so, have a pager and a clam phone? <laughs> and so we meet up in a pub called The World's End, which isn't a good sign. In Camden, yeah. Camden. And he walks in, and now we are just two quite scared men. Just sitting opposite <laughs> each other, both of us just there, and uh, he he looks at me and I look at him and I'm going, so you know, so what's going on, man? What you know? Why did you uh, what did you join? And he's like, well, first of all, um, what what is this? And of course, this is nothing. 
Sure. And so I go, oh, it's not about what it is. It's about what it could be. And he goes, uh, well, are you doing this all off the fly? You're literally yeah. off the top of them. Okay. And he's going, well, how, how many, uh, how, how many people have, uh, have joined? And I'm like, I don't want to tell him. So I'm going, oh, it's not, um, it's not about uh, numbers. It's about people. <laughs> it's about people coming yeah. together and joining and blah, blah, blah. And he goes, yeah, well, how many people? I go, well, you've got to get, you've got to get past this because you're not a number. Yeah. You're a person. And that's how you should think. And he's like, yes, but how many people have joined? So he and knew at this point you were a little bit unhinged, so, at least the concept. Yeah. So I have, I have to just go, uh, there's two. And he goes, and I go, and he sort of does the maths in his head and he adds me to him. And he essentially gets the world's most shit club. And I think at that moment, he's going to get up and he's going to walk out without saying anything. Yeah. But Jonesy being Jonesy, um, he just took a sip of his pint and he looked me in the eye and he just went, so do I get a badge or something? <laughs> and I was like, yes. That's the most British it. response ever. I love that. But he brought his mate because my mate Ian was going, don't go meet with this Jonesy guy because he's clearly going to kill you. Who would yeah. answer an ad like that? And Jonesy's mate Dave was going, don't go meet with this man because he's clearly going to kill you. Yeah, yeah. And so obviously we're terrified, but he brought Joan, uh, he brought Dave with him, Cobbett, and Cobbett then joined us, and um, I convinced him. And so on the way back, uh, we actually we went to the Madras Valley and we bought a chicken dancer. But on the way, we stopped in Camden Tube Station, and Dave Cobbett took a passport photo and gave it to me, and he joined. So I doubled my cult in one night, and I met importantly two people I would never have met. We'd have walked past each other in the street a million times, possibly, yep. who knows. But we'd never have just gone, hello, do you want to go for a drink? Yeah. And this was the thing that brought us together. And this was the thing that made us friends. And, you know, I've hung out with them so much. And I love Jonesy. And I love Cobbett. Um, and, and like I say, just over a year later, when we did the second big meetup, um, we suddenly had hundreds and hundreds of people. Now, how did you continue to grow that? How did this thing grow organically? Because I'm assuming um, you continue running adverts or you or they friends told friends or it spread yeah, to so online. Yeah, so this was pre-Facebook, pre-Twitter. Oh, wow. Um, you know, there was nothing going on. Nowadays, you can join anything by pressing a button or just saying sure. yes or signing a petition or whatever, which is why I wanted the passport photo because it, it sort of made this a real thing. It wasn't just an advert in a paper. It wasn't just a, a website forum, um, which it was. Um, it's quite it mafia, was, though, isn't it? It's a little bit mafia because that's what they do. They go in, they take your driver's license, and they look at you and go, right, I've got your phone, and now I own you. I own a piece well, of you. Well, I did, to be honest. Before I worked out what to do with all these people, I did. I was tempted to go to the dark side for a little while. And um, not very dark because I'm not a very dark individual, but it would have been cheeky. So um, at one point I thought I could use these guys for um, slight cheekiness and um, not malevolence, but just sort of, uh, so like a, a, a little murder, something yeah. like that. Just... But like a new musical would have opened or something written by someone who perhaps uh, I caught beef with. I've never caught beef with anyone who's written a musical, but you know what I mean? There's something so, quite adorable about watching a man as wholesome as you talk, say the phrase caught beef with as well. <laughs> Um, so we'd have gone to the musical and I'd have bought every ticket and um, then we'd all go in pretending we didn't know each other and then just as the 
first fellow walks out to sing the first note, we'd all just stand up and piss off. And I thought that would be quite a fun thing to do. Absolutely, like weird yeah. little... Um, you were a YouTube pranker before that was even a thing. But I didn't do it. Instead, I decided to use my powers for good. Okay. So I called them the Karma Army, and I said, from now on, what we're going to do is we are going to do good deeds on a Friday. Yeah, random acts of kindness. On a, yeah. And we're going to call the Fridays Good Fridays. Mm-hmm. Because my thinking was, if everyone is sort of spread all over the place, it's very difficult for you to go and do something nice for someone if you feel exposed and sort of like on your own. But if you know you're part of a like a, a, a gang, Mm-hmm. and that on this day all these people are going to go and do something and then they're going to tell you about it on a website or whatever you feel part of something like a movement Absolutely. so you're more likely to try and do it and i said it's non-religious it doesn't you can be religious but it's non-religious um you don't get anything out of it other than you've done a nice thing um and you have to you have to also be careful because you i find when i do like a random act of kindness you, you're stepping into someone's world because it's necessary to do so, to interrupt that moment where they are thinking about something, they're doing something, they're on a mission, they're going shopping or whatever, and you have to pop into their world and immediately pop out. So you come in, it's, it's a physical thing. You kind of go, hello, and then you take a step back because then they know, oh, he's no threat, this isn't weird. He's popped in, he's popped out, and now it's up to me whether I want to invite him in or not. And then you just say, hey, so I'm part of this thing and we're doing a nice thing and i wanted to give you this or i wanted to recommend this and then you go away very quickly so that they know you're not trying to sell them something you're not trying to gain something you're not trying to change their mind about something you're just person to person going here's the thing bye-bye this is so akin to so much of what the most popular youtubers do today but the only difference is is that they monetize their nice yeah. kind kind acts of kindness yeah. and they you know mr beast would be the the most obvious youtuber i mean the guy has something like tens of millions of fans and uh r- raises huge amounts of revenue through his streams and through right. his broadcast and his video content and then uses a lot of that money to do great things i think he's also well, a very fun. shrewd investor as well so he makes right millions every year and then he will literally go i'm gonna and then he does dumb shit where he takes three of his youtuber friends and they eat the most expensive foods on the planet so they'll eat a pizza that, okay. that costs yeah so it's like fun and whatever it's fine as long as he's doing something dollars yeah but as long as he's using some of it to do yeah, good then. exactly he also plants a million trees he's like that kind of guy so he's a great guy right. but, and then there's other ones who just go and give a pair of you know Nike Air Jordans to a homeless guy and be like, "Hey man, there we go, bud. And there's a hundred bucks and there's some weed and yeah, YouTube, check out my YouTube channel." Blah 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 blah. And that's yeah. you know that that's sort of good. However, it's pretty selfish as well because yeah, absolutely. You're, you're doing it yeah. to look great. Whereas One yours is very much do it and then get out there before. Yeah, get out you know, there. You're not looking just for anything it. in return. No. Um, One of the nicest compliments I had was um, there's a guy called Rufus who joined very very early on. And he's, he, I think he would have described himself as quite cynical about it. And he was always looking for what I was doing. I, was I selling T-shirts? Was I making money from it in some way? And, and I had lots and lots of advertising companies come to me. And um, I always said no, because the idea had to remain pure. And I would have been destroying a nice thing yeah. um, by then going, right, I'm going to take this thing and all your goodwill, and I'm going to go and do it. It would have been awful. I had sure. once an advertising man ran up to me on the street. And this is how far removed 
some, not all, advertising people are. But he ran up and he came up to me and he went, are you Danny? And I went, yes. He went, mate, oh, I had such an annoying week last week. I went, why? And um, he said, um, I tried to, you know, your join me thing. I went, yeah. He went, I tried to, oh, I was so close. I took it and I made it into like this advertising campaign. And we were so close to like sealing this deal. And at the last minute, they didn't do it. And it was like going, um, hey, I, I nicked your idea and tried to turn it evil. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Would you now buy me a drink yeah, 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 <laughs> and yeah, be yeah. my best friend? And I, but, uh, you know, a, a person's a person. And I was like, ah, oh, dude, that's so annoying. Never mind. But when I walked away, I was like, good. Yeah. Good. You fucking scumbag. Yeah. Come up with your own your idea milk- to bastardize exactly. and use to Surely sell whatever to sell milkshake products. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. People do want to twist things up like that. Amazing. Yeah. So you started a cult for good. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, as a like, I I I I think I discovered your whole join me and um, Carmageddon movement, should we call it, or cult, yeah, cult, whatever, cult of positivity, through the Mighty Boosh community. I don't know. There was some. Ah, there you? was a yeah. There was a lot of crossover there. There was. I was a fan of the Boosh, and then on a forum that I used to talk on, a lot of those members were also members of your join me thing, and that's how I found out about it and came huh. down. And then I think I'd, I'd think I'd maybe, I don't even know if I'd started doing TV when I first met you. I don't think I'd started becoming a presenter myself or a host myself, mm. or maybe I just had. Um, but since then, you've done, like I say, a, a myriad of different things. You, you've written uh, another book called Yes Man, where you took the concept of what, saying yes to everything for, uh, that doesn't cause any harm to anyone else and can only, uh, you know, anyone yeah. asks you something, Every, uh, hey, could you help me with this? Or, request do you want to do this? Yeah. Do you want to be involved in this project? You say yes to for mm-hmm. a year just to see what could come out of that. And then that got turned mm-hmm. into a movie starring Jim Carrey, which you also got yeah. to have a cameo in, which yeah. is very exciting. You were, a man, you were yeah. at the bar, weren't you, half, uh, towards the end? I was uh, Man at Bar in at uh, bar. in Scene Near End of Film. I think that's the official title. Uncredited, but very powerful. Yeah. And um, I uh, I love it when they put it on telly or Netflix or whatever because um, I won't know until the next morning when loads of people send me exactly the same photo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is oh my god, Danny, what is doing this movie? No way! But the cool thing is about that, um, th- they were lovely to me and they were brilliant and they would fly me over a few times and they would put me up and they would give me a trailer and they didn't need to do any of that stuff. Sure, but they did. And um, well, you and, own the rights to the. <laughs> like, hey, well, yeah, it was your IP, wasn't it? So they, <laughs> yeah, um, and they put they put me in, and um, in this scene, which is just right at the very end. Were um, you involved in any of the script writing, by the way, for the actual for the movie, the full movie as well? Uh, my my philosophy is uh, uh, when when it comes to selling the rights for my books and stuff is always let the pros do that job because okay. otherwise it won't get done. Like sure. if it were like now, I could do it. But back then, um, I wouldn't have known what I was doing. Understood. Yeah, I would have, yeah, yeah. I'd have written a script that would have been 7,000 pages long. Right. Um, and so I was like, if this is going to get made, get people who can make it and do it. And Absolutely. the book will never change. I look at that and, like when I'm trying to sell TV shows right now, obviously there's a part of me as a performer, as an actor that wants to play the lead role. But I also know I'd rather just get the show made. And if I have yeah. to be you know that guy who's a supporting actor somewhere down the roster 
that's better than not getting your show made. Totally. Kind of thing, yeah. But I'm an optimist, but I'm also a realist. There you go. Yeah. And, and I, I sort of know that, okay, that's the way to do it. Like, mm-hmm. you know, get them to do it and then we can all we can all crack on. So they were flying I, you yeah, out. There. I wrote the book. Yeah, they're flying me out. And um so I'm in this little scene and uh there are the actors doing their job, and we're all told we just have to mime. And, and so they'll put in the, the noise of a crowd afterwards. So I'm just there and I'm opposite this girl who didn't speak much English, mm-hmm. it turns out. And um, so I'm just, uh, but I'm also mic'd up because they're filming some backstage stuff. So I have to sort of be entertaining for them while at the same time doing my own sort of weird thing. Sure. But she didn't know I was mic'd up. So I'm just like uh, muttering all this stuff about, um, I think I was saying like, uh, once when I was younger, um, my uncle fired me out of a cannon and I landed in a hamster. And she's sort of translating this in her head. And I could see that she's kind of going, I think I might be with someone who's not well. Yeah. Because this man doesn't seem normal. And you said, hey, do you want to join my cult? <laughs> yeah. But also, I'm also doing it because um, there are lots and lots of people in the world um, who are deaf and who can perfectly lip read. Right, right, and I right. always thought it'd be very funny if you looked in the background of a shot and uh, if you were a deaf person and you were incredibly adept at lip reading, you'd be looking at this guy going, what's this guy's story? Yeah. He once fired a, he got shot out of a cannon that hit a hamster By his or grandfather, something. no less. Exactly. Directly so, into um, a hamster. So this was a cameo working on many different levels. Right. You know, for the Korean community, yeah. What you're saying is, really, why you weren't even nominated for an Oscar for that performance as Best Supporting Actor. That's not for me to say. Well, no, I'll say it, Danny. I'll say it because someone needs to. Thank you. We need to have a word with the, um, you know, with the, uh, the, whatever they're called, whatever the uh, the officiating body is. Well, find out. Find out before you write I will. I'm going to write a letter. I'm a member of BAFTA. I'm going to write a sternly worded letter. Thank you. No worries. I got you. So you had a little, uh, a little, uh, almost like an Easter egg in your own movie based on your own yeah. book. Um, yeah. Jim, did was... Jim Carrey give you a, a passport photo? Um, no, he gave me lots of different photos. Uh, uh, well, no, as in he didn't give me his photo. That'd be weird if he just came up. But um, <laughs> just you know, like we had, holla- we, old we, holiday we... <laughs> snaps of him as a kid, just like hey, I we thought, spent some time together. It was lovely. These. Yeah, I remember one time um, leaving the set. And um, I'd been hanging out with him, which was lovely. And then he got into his car with his massive Israeli security guard called Dotan. And Dotan packed him in the car. And then suddenly I'm just uh, walking away again. And I've gone from hanging out with one of the biggest stars in the world to just walking away and just being a man. Yeah. And I walk past all these tourists and all these tourists start looking and going, what? And... Jim's car was just going just behind me very slowly, very slowly. And just as he got here, the window came down and it was Jim Carrey. And to embarrass me in front of all these people, he just went, Danny, remember, anything you need, you just call me. And the window went up and everyone thought I was the best man in the world. <laughs> Who are you? Can I, I get a like... photo with you? Can I get a photo with you? Who are you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Until I was like 30 meters away and they all forgot. But um, no, it was an extraordinary experience. Um, a lasting one, friendship uh, with uh, with the man himself, or was was the involvement he, that you had with each other he, quite he, limited? No, anyway, of course, not, of course not, of course yeah. not. It, you know, it's one of sometimes those though you form connections on a on a film set with people that, that you might not I necessarily could, I could, have. I could, I, w- I would, you know, yeah, easily if he was in a restaurant, I'd go up and it'd be great. But sure. 
you don't want to be that guy either. You, you know? haven't you um, haven't had a Zoom chat with him since you've been in quarantine. No. But he's been asked about me by journalists since, and he's said very nice things for which I am eternally grateful. Oh, you know what would um, be nice to get from him would maybe be um, one of his wonderful pieces of uh, um, political artworks. Ah, yeah, I've got yeah. something in, in, in this room. Let me, let me get it, and I'll oh, show yeah, it to grab you. Oh, yeah, grab it, grab it. Yeah, no Hang worries. Um, this is a great opportunity for me to say hello to all the people who are watching live. We are now doing the social, uh, sorry, social, the Savage Snowflake podcast live on Tuesdays and Thursdays. So make sure you check it out at youtube.com slash Jeff Leach TV. Okay, he's back. I didn't hear any of that. So That's all right. All just plug in the fact that we're doing these live these days. Look at that. What? Look at that. That is a Polaroid of Jim Carrey um, in he looks Dumb like a baby. and Dumber. In Dumb and Dumber. He looks like... 19 years old he looks so young the the most disturbing thing about this is he looks almost exactly like my son really yeah so i'm worried i don't know what happened on that set <laughs> where was maybe your it's wife the uh, what was time, it what was yeah. that happened to you you got you didn't you get pregnant by 5g was that what you said maybe 5g got me. me pregnant yeah yeah, yeah. that's the new that's what i'm gonna be I, that sounds like an alex jones um piece i think <laughs> you know i hung out with alex jones for a few days for a documentary yeah, years ago. And um, he, he took a real shine to me. And that was, that was lovely. And it really helped the documentary. Was it all However, fabricated? Was it, was it a kind of Katie, uh, I think the British equivalent might be like a Katie Hopkins. Is that her name? Katie Hopkins? Yeah, um, Katie kind Hopkins. Of, uh, who, who just aggrandizes these horrendous concepts, these, <laughs> you know, tinfoil hat or, uh, you know, he, awful social commentary just to he get believed some it, followers. He, he believed it all, but I think it was on the cusp of him. Did he? Becoming... Did he really? Because he was on Joe Rogan smoking weed no. and chatting like, yeah, of course, it's a bit of a character. Of course, it's a bit of a character. Well, maybe. But but the thing is that he, he took a real shine to me, which is great. Um, if you are looking to bond with someone that you're making a, a show with and, and talking to. Um, however, it became very tiring uh, because he's so loud. Right. Um, and um, when you've had three days of shouting, um, it comes to the last night where you're like, um, okay, so it's going to end now. <laughs> and everyone goes, let's go for a meal. And you go, okay, it's not quite over. Um, and we were going to... Um, what is the name of that Chinese restaurant chain in America, Mister? Is it Mister? Uh, wait, with a panda, Panda Express. No, Panda Express. Mister, Ch- Mister, Mister. Uh, okay, I, I think I think I understand. P.F. Chang. P.F. Chang. That's the one, Mister Chang. I was P.F. Chang. Yeah, P.F. So Chang. So we we're on our way to P.F. Chang in Austin, and um, I was exhausted. Right. And I said to the director, I was like, "Listen, can I ride with you guys and the crew?" Um, and uh, he went, yeah, get in. And then I heard Alex go, Danny, you're running with me. And I was like, okay. And so I get in Alex's, um, whatever it was, truck, you know, with the Hillbilly flat Hillbilly truck, yeah. Make America Great Again sticker on the back of it. Yeah. And so the we get in there and I'm like, all right. On the inside, yeah. I'm just like, all right, yeah, fine. Another 45 minutes, that's, that's fine. And so I get in and um, he cracks open like the center panel bit between the seats and he brings out a uh, can of lager and he starts drinking that and I'm like all right now we're drink driving that's fine and um and then he goes um you actually you actually Danny you actually taking a real risk driving with me and I went what because of the beer and he went no and he said um I was taking a risk driving with him because recently they um had tried to kill him 
And I said, who, who, who tried to kill you? And he looked at me as if I should know. I didn't know. I went, no, but who? And it was implicit in what he said then. It was the CIA. The CIA was trying to kill him. <sighs> They're always said, going after Alex Jones. I mean, yeah, they probably have honestly. a whole branch dedicated to Alex Jones, don't they? They're incorrigible. Anyway, they, he said, yeah, they did that. And um, I was like, how? And I'm thinking, sniper. Or I'm thinking, like, uh, tires or brakes, something like that. Doing yeah, something like yeah, that. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Poison, uh, maybe poisoning his beers, his road beer. All great ideas. But no, um, they'd sent a tornado, um, uh, like a rogue tornado, um, to knock his car over. And he said he woke up and his car was uh, his car was knocked over. Insane. And part of me was thinking, could be the beer. And the other um, part of you was thinking, surely that's the Jews, because Alex has said that the Jews control the weather, not It not could the have been CIA. a gay frog. Yeah, yeah. Or maybe it could have been a gay, gay frog. frogs. Yeah. I mean, it's if, hard. If you had enough so many... gay frogs. <laughs> there's so many definitely... entities to blame who are after him. Yeah. You know, the yeah, Jewish community, totally. frogs, frogs, gay people, CIA. It's mainly the frogs. It's mainly you, the go, frogs. you got to watch them. You got Amazing. To watch them. Tornadoes. Well, I mean, goodness gracious me, what a, what a wonderful situation to be in in life where you're that important and the truth you're spilling out into the internet has put you yeah. that much under the spotlight that they decided to create weather. But also the meeting. The meeting, the CIA meeting, right? You've got smart people, and they're yeah. going, what should we do? Should we uh, use a gun? And they're like, no, no, too obvious. Too obvious. And they're like, it's what about much. the poison beer? Nah, nah, people are working out. No, he checks. He has a he has a pH testing thing yeah. in his kit, in his car. Yeah, you know, it's too much. Let's develop uh, some kind of tornado control system. Call and the use Jews. That once. Give the Jews a call immediately. We need them yeah. to start working on that tornado machine. Yeah. That's it, yeah. Leave a frog behind. Blame it on them. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, he's fucking mental. I've made friends with some mental celebrities before that have um Who's the who's the worst person you've worked with? Oh, the worst person. Yeah. Oh uh, you can always give me clues and we can talk Ooh, around it. Oh uh Kelly Osborne was a bit of a cunt. Really? <laughs> she was not a nice individual. Your Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, we slept together as well, so that was a bit more that was wow. I, I, I and, and that was back when I was uh, my first TV show. So I'd just become yeah. a presenter. I was still a bit of an idiot. I was still drinking a lot and taking a lot of drugs. I thought I was a rock star because I came from the world of DJing into... I'm trying to work out whether you saying you slept with someone is technically defamation. No, I think that's okay. I mean, no, it's I, I a did, joke. I definitely slept with her, right? I, did, I mean, no, is just, that defaming her, her reputation. by suggesting that... What, why would it do that, Danny? I'm a wonderful <laughs> man and I'm very a very dedicated lover. That's so true. I know. I remember. I'm soft. I'm gentle. Exactly. I cuddled you for hours. Mm-hmm. Stroke the back of your hair, kiss the yeah. nape of your neck. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I've started cutting my own hair. Yeah. Uh, I'm oh, in really? lockdown. Yeah, I, I, I did I notice know. when you turned your head to the right that you got no. the fade on the side is a little, little choppy. It's not mate. a fade, is it? It's uh, <laughs> I know. Um, it's a little bit we, like you join an alt right party. I'm not going to lie. There's a little something. There's <laughs> a little, yeah. a little. It's a little something Milo Yiannopoulos about it. There's Yes, there is. There is. It, it's entirely wrong, and um, it was done in desperation on a, on a hot spring night. Yeah. Uh, when I found some clippers, and I went, "I can do this," and it turns out I can't. No. It turns out it's a skill. But you gave it a go, and that's kind of beautiful. You should have got your wife to do it because it's it's easier when you're looking at hair. And the yeah. trick, I, I actually my second, no, my third 
whatever third fourth tv show was celebrity scissor hands do you remember for children in need yes a tv show where z-list celebrities such as myself it was me and shana swash from eastenders and okay. uh you know joe swash's sister and uh who else was on there oh some glamour model and various people like that anyway and we did um yeah we had to cut hair for charity for like i think we did three weeks of the program three, three two three weeks Wow. And we learn how to do it properly. And actually, I can cut hair reasonably well now. Not, not, not like I'm not. I bet you can. I'm not like a, a whiz, but I was robbed. I should have won. A I, whiz. Was the, I was. I had the most golden scissors, Danny. And then well, that's good the, for you for the TV purpose of TV. In the end, and another lady won an underdog who hadn't really won anything. She won the final episode, even though my haircut was story. infinitely more difficult to do. Well, um, I, I enjoyed that period, particularly in British reality television, where everything was being made. Yeah. <laughs> just like they just went, let's just make everything. Yeah. And they went, okay, yeah, great. We'll do a hairdressing one. And now we'll do one about tree surgeons. Sure. And it got to the point where, um, what was his name? Was it George Lamb? George Someone Lamb. There. We had the same an- uh, ma- management back in the day. He was he, a, he's a bit of an arrogant prick as well. He's a, he he's presented a, a show called Britain's Youngest Butcher. <laughs> yes. And I'm amazed it didn't sell to America. Um, because was that, was that the nail with, in the uh, coffin of his career? Or does he still work? Well, I don't really know I what just he think, does. You know, now, you could it? do it with every every single job. Britain's yeah. uh, Britain's youngest um, uh, shoe clerk. Yes. Britain's young. And then you could do Keep Britain's talking. Most I'm age interested. One. Okay. Are we? Are, are Britain's they... oldest. Britain's oldest tree surgeon. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Just yeah. keep it going. Yeah. There's thousands of shows. Yeah. Britain's. And you could be on every single one. Britain's fattest eating disorder therapist. I mean, just the, the yeah. possibilities are endless. Yeah. Britain's most diabetic keyboard manufacturer. I tell you what, though, George Lamb, even though he wasn't, uh, he was, he, he wasn't a horrendous person. He was just very, um, incredibly handsome. And incredibly, so incredibly aware of how handsome he was, and incredibly wanted everyone else to be incredibly aware of how handsome he was as well. He was He's a handsome so. man. There's, yeah. there's no getting around that. And and one of those people who will kind of sort of get more handsome um, until he's he ninety eight. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Which um, you know is. Do you see today they had this um, over here in Britain? They had um, there was a ninety nine year old man, uh, a soldier called uh, Tommy. Which is great because of course he was called Tommy. Of course he was called Tommy. A soldier British who's in his nineties got to be yeah. called Tommy, isn't he? And he said, "I'm going to walk around my garden 99 times, and I want to raise a grand." Okay. And when I went to bed last night, he'd raised six million pounds. Wow. And when I woke up this morning, he had he was raised dead. twelve. Oh, sorry. Okay, I thought <laughs> he'd raised twelve million pounds. Okay. And um, and well, he. I mean, I, uh, the good spirited people of Britain had raised that money. He just yeah. wanted, he wanted to have a little walk. Yeah, it's true. And it all went to the hospitals, the NHS. Wonderful. But it made me think also, if we could, like, if we can make that much money out of one 99-year-old guy, if if we just forced every 99-year-old person to just walk around gardens, yeah, yeah. we could solve every problem in the world. Absolutely. Nan, I know you've had both your hips replaced. I realise it. Like, it's fine. Yeah. The scoliosis isn't that bad. Get yeah. in the fucking garden, Nan. Put them to work. There you go. Exactly. It's been shown it works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. I think there's something in um, the beauty of encouraging people to do good things. Like there, there, there is an audience, even though TV would have you, would lead you, or sorry, the people who are 
the awful producers behind some of the worst scumbag TV content that we digest Britain's so readily. Yeah. Britain's Youngest Butcher. But just, you know, the, the people look, for instance, people people want out of these reality shows, they want conflict, they want to watch, or we've been told that that's what turns us on. That's what yeah. our fetish is as yeah. audience members, is to watch people argue, uh, fight, scream at each other, have emotional breakdowns. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's a bit harder to do with young as British butcher. Yeah, exactly. Like, I can't believe you stole my pork. That's unbelievable. <laughs> Shut yeah. up, Terry. Yeah. But I think there's uh, Andy Kaufman before he died as his final show did that wonderful was it Carnegie Hall he he performed at yeah. and he did this show where he gave out he just did an a, a, like a, a five hour show and it was all love and positivity and just making you laugh and silly impressions yeah. and music and then he bought like a, a thousand donuts and gave everyone a donut and, yeah. and and just did all this shit and I've always thought that I would love their, I would love a TV concept to finally go I'd like someone in a position of power at one of these networks to go let's make a show that is just fucking love and happiness. And maybe it only happens once a month. Maybe it's a special event. Maybe it's a quarterly thing. Or maybe it's a weekly show where everyone gets together and it's just like entertain you with all these different things and everyone's happy and we talk about positivity. And I, I know that the, the issue with that is that so much of that is bastardized now as well and monetized by, you know, look at Instagram as a perfect example mm-hmm. of celebrities going on there and going, hey guys, remember, find every day as yeah. if it's your last. Find your inner peace and spread positivity. And then on the side, they're selling fucking protein powders that make your balls shrink. You know, it's like, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, it, I don't know. I think there's, there's, there's a space for that. You know, I've, you know we've, we've got close in the past with doing something like that. Um, the human condition it, is not centered around negativity. I don't think. I think no, we've been trained to believe that now. Yeah, and and weirdly, the ones that get through, like the positive shows, always weirdly end up having been presented by someone slightly, um, uh, well, slightly right wing, which is fine. We can all be whatever wing we want to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it always tends to be favoring slightly. The sort of the well, what shows are you know. talking about? Because I'm, I'm intrigued. Well, like, I, I don't like Hearts of Gold. Um, I don't know that um, one. Knowles HQ. There was a thing called Knowles HQ hosted by uh, Noel Edmonds, um, which would turn into a series of very petty rants um, against parking attendants, um, and and it always had a. No matter how positive these things tried to be and were definitely pitched as and were definitely commissioned as when they became a real thing there was always a sense of negativity or being hard done by or them and us or someone being a jobs worth someone trampling on our rights right whereas actually what they should be is i did a nice thing here's the nice thing here's how they feel about it let's do more nice things yeah and make them funny and make them joyous and make them realize that like one of the best things that happened with join me is there was a lady who wrote to me from Nova Scotia and I've never been to Nova Scotia, but from her letter, I could probably imagine exactly where she was. And quite remote, quite chilly. I think it's in Canada, right? Yeah. And she was going on a Friday, remember, Good Fridays. She was going on a Friday to get her coffee from like a coffee stand um, on her way to work or whatever, like an outdoor drive-by, drive-through, whatever. 
and um, she looked down in the passenger seat and she saw a copy of Join Me uh, that she'd been reading. And she realized, like I was saying earlier, she was part of a gang, even though she was a million miles away. Right. She was part of something. I think I know where day. this is going, Danny. I think I know where it's going. Do you? Mm-hmm. Well, she bought a coffee um, and then and then she said, Pay for the person the behind. Now. Yeah, there you go. Exactly. And the woman went, yeah, fine. So she did that. Forgot all about it. Monday, she's back there getting a coffee. Same woman. And she goes, you know, on Friday, uh, you bought that coffee for the car behind you. She said, I think there was some uh, confusion because that guy said he didn't know you. And she went, oh, God, no. Uh, sorry, embarrassing. Uh, I'm in this thing. It's called Join Me as a Guy in London. And uh, he does this thing. And so I just thought I would uh, pay for the car behind me. And she went, cool. Well, the thing is that he then said, uh, well, I'll pay for the one behind me. Mm-hmm. And then I had to explain it to that person. And she went, well, look, I'll pay for the car behind me. And then I had to explain to him. And she said, what I'm and- saying to you, Sally, is next time you want to do something fucking nice, can you think about the amount of talking I'm going to have to do to customers? Lot I, Lot my throat is fucked today because of exactly. you and your random acts of kindness. You the know, poor so- woman. <laughs> and it happened 21 times in a row. <laughs> And That's amazing. I don't know who number, I don't know who 22 was. What a piece of shit. Him, what a piece of shit. Hunt him down and kill him. <laughs> He's really, yeah, great, bye-bye. Uh, but, and, and also that in itself is okay. By the manifesto that you yourself have kind of built yeah, with your followers was, was, hey, we're just doing this to do something nice. You don't have to yeah. repeat it. You don't have no. to pass it on. We're just doing a random act of kindness. End That's result. nice. 22 Fine. people, 22 people walked away very happy that day. Yeah. So that for me was like a little moment where you go, um, God, everyone benefits, really. Everyone benefits from this. And that's what you should celebrate. Not use it for settling scores or um, making a a parking attendant who's probably not earning very much money and who's under the hammer from a council that isn't getting enough money from the government and um, who's dealing with enough anyway. Mm -hmm. Why hammer him or her? Mm -hmm. Why not just do the nice thing instead? Agreed, yeah. Yeah, so that's what I always thought, mate. I mean, it would just. I mean, it, it, do you do you ever listen to Adam Buxton's podcast? Are you a fan of Adam Buxton? I'm i um, I'm a fan of Adam. I haven't really listened much to his podcast. I think yet, you should. I, really, I think you'd love yeah. it. It's incredibly. I mean, he's he's very much. Uh, I put him whilst you're different people. He's he's you know he's um, certainly in the same genre of positive and. Positive and wholesome entertainment. He certainly oh, he he does that. So you'd enjoy you'd enjoy the podcast and his episodes. Well, that, that with- I, I got an email from him a couple of years ago, going, "Do you want to come around to my house? To um, we've got some fireworks." And um, it was like it's like a ninety minute drive from my house. Okay. And we would we were going to our neighbours anyway that night. And I said, um, um, "Thank you so much. I I, I can't. Uh, we're going to our neighbours." And he wrote back and went, "Fine, but um, you know they won't have fireworks." And I was like, okay, good. And obviously he was joking and it was nice. But the fact that we've always left that conversation now, that conversation never been continued. That's the last time met- you ever spoke to him. Yeah, but he doesn't know whether I understood it was a joke. And I never, so so he, there must be part of him going, God, did I really, did I come across Shit. badly there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Oh, okay, well, we'll add him on the list. Another, add one him. of the worst people again you've ever had to encounter, Adam <laughs> Buxton. How fucking Buxton. dare you. Worst. How yeah. dare you? What a scumbag making Danny <laughs> feel bad for upholding his previously arranged yeah. scheduling with his neighbour. Um, yeah. 
I think you'd enjoy his content. Anyway, listen, I'd be remiss if I would. Goodness gracious, it's flown by the hour. And I, I want to talk for a little moment more, if that's okay. I, I won't keep you too long. I, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the writing and performance you've done within the Assassin's Creed franchise. Yeah. Because I have a huge gaming audience uh, fan base. And now that I'm in Call of Duty uh, as mm, a character. Ghost, man. Yeah, I'm playing Ghost, dude. That's and great. it's And uh, Sean Hastings was... Uh, so Ezio was an the... An inspiration. For me, an inspiration. Uh, <laughs> some some call him a, a, a leader amongst men. Um, Thank you. A, a godlike is how I've seen him described on most Reddit forums. Yeah. Uh, but in all honesty, he... So that that whole period of Assassin's Creed, first of all, you got to be part of the what I consider to be the golden era of Assassin's Creed, which was you know the, the, the Desmond Miles and the present day part, but also no the Ezio the the, the formation yeah. of Ezio's story from start to finish, mm-hmm. um, and I think you were actually your character extended beyond that point as well, um, but you ended up I heard and I don't know if you told me this or someone else told me this that maybe I think I might have met. In fact, I think it might have been someone... I ended up doing some stuff for Assassin's Creed Syndicate. Not voice acting, but hosting for them at Comic-Con and various things mm-hmm. like that and some events. And I've still got a scar on my head from a, 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 an evening we shared at the launch of something. Um, oh, was it yeah. Syndicate? It was Syndicate. It, no, was, it, was it Syndicate? No, it was wasn't. it a BAFTA Games Awards? It was the BAFTA Games no, Awards? No, it was, it was some weird Assassin's Creed party. I brought Mike Bithell. Yes, and also who was it? You it, was nor- it was a northern lad. It was a northern bloke. It was in the. It was in the game. And what's his name? The actor. Oh, um, uh, Finchy from the office. Yeah, yeah. What's his uh, name? Yeah, uh, Rafe, uh, Ralph, 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 uh, Ralph. Something. It he's brilliant. Like <laughs> anyway, yeah. he's on every voiceover on every radio station. Everything in it. Yeah, right. But go. he's brilliant. And um, we, yeah, um, I was. Uh, so you were dressed like as an assassin. Your mate. Who was your mate? Oh, Pete. Pete. Me and my mate Pete, yeah, yeah. We were both dressed up in Assassin's Creed outfits. We dressed up exactly. to the hill, yeah. And I went to the bar, and there was a group over here, and I didn't want to get too close to them to sort of, like, you know, make them move. Yeah. So I ducked slightly, but I stood up, and I hit some weird pillar. On a corner, like, right on the corner of it. Yeah, and it cut my head. And I, I turned around. we got you some ice, and we, we, were, we were caring for you. But we a girl just looked at me and went, I went, I'm fine. And then the girl just went, oh, my God. Because your head was bleeding. (laughs) Yeah. And I was going, I'm all right. I'm all right. She was probably some poor marketing exec who just, like, panicked. Like, oh, fuck, our talents just cut his head open at the thing. I know. But then I went to the bar and I got some ice. And I went, I need some ice. And they gave me some ice. And then I came out. And you and Pete were so nice to me. And um, you sat me down. Now at this point, I'm getting a well because you were no because you were about, you were a little bit embarrassed. I could tell you were a little embarrassed. embarrassed by what happened, but you were also um, a little bit. You were just playing it off like going, no, 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 it's fine, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. And we were like, I no, wanted mate, everyone to be fine. I didn't I know. want to be like. But me and Pete wanted attention. you to not collapse and pass out because it was clear that you'd actually done yourself a pretty serious injury, and then you needed to injury. have a sit down and fucking put you know take care of it and get and a you were lovely about it. Stuff. Oh, now nice. the the strange thing was i then had to sit down i did this whole thing and i went i'm probably gonna have to go now and so i just wanted to go and get a black cab on london's streets in the east yeah. end and you and pete wouldn't let me yeah and you were like we're gonna call you an uber yeah. now that's great and i needed that what i didn't need um was to then go out onto the streets to find this uber and remember, we've gone from somewhere where everyone's dressed up in like weird sort of like clothes, sure. like yeah, sort yeah, of yeah. like Victorian London clothes. Absolutely. I'm walking down an alleyway 
with you dressed as an assassin and your mate Pete dressed as, I don't know, some kind of pirate or something. Yeah. And we then rejoin normal society. And yeah. people must have been looking at me going, that man is being followed around by two ghosts. And I'm there with concussion yeah. going, Blood I guess I'm with ghosts now. Yeah. yeah. And then two men carrying swords put me in an Uber and sort of send me home. And there's like fog and there's just weirdness. And I get home and I collapse and I fall asleep. And I wake up thinking the whole thing was a dream. And yet it all happened. And it was all thanks to you uh, and your um, lovely, uh, weird friend, Pete. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm glad we, uh, I'm glad you remember us as, as lovely and weird. I think that's, those are two, you saved me. Yeah, it was two adjectives I'm, I'll happily accept. Um, yeah, yeah, we did, we did. That was, that was, I've completely forgotten that. Well, the guy who actually invited me to that thing, who then got me to do some stuff uh, got, when I did all the hosting, um, he was who told me, I think, that when they originally hired you to play the character of Sean Hastings, yeah. you were just hired as an actor. And then you were so funny in the recordings and you were so, you were ad-libbing that they ended up apparently just saying, we should have Danny rewrite his lines. We should have Danny write his own character's lines <laughs> and should be involved in the writing. That's what, I think that's what the story that I heard, that you were so entertaining to them. Oh, that's And nice. so, you know, perfect, I know perfectly the character that they went, uh, Danny, you should that's be. Nice to hear. That's Is nice that to hear. That's nice to hear. I was approached at the, um, I went to the BAFTAs and um, I would go to those things because I've got a very good friend who, when I was a kid, we used to play video games together. Right. And that was our thing. And, and what, what games um, did you used to play? Shinobi on right. the Master System. Um, we played that a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, then he got a Mega Drive and blah, blah, blah. And it, his house still is like a museum of consoles. Wow. And so whenever I got invited to something like that, the joysticks or the BAFTAs or whatever, I would go if I could get a plus one. And then I phone Mikey and go, get on the train from Loughborough, get your suit on. I'm going to take you to this place. That's nice. And then we'd have a big silly day out. That's my Pete. He's your Pete. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, free beers and he can meet some people and we'll go out for a drink after. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, so we would do that a lot. And then we're at the BAFTAs and um, he saw a, like a Japanese developer that he'd wanted to talk to and ran off so i'm alone hideo, I'm hideo kojima i think was was maybe at the could have been was being honored have, at one of the bafta game awards a couple of years before yeah yeah it could have been um so i'm just on my own and then a fellow from ubisoft comes up a lovely guy man up and goes um hey listen i like your stuff and um was this cast in my hill was it cast in my hill or not it was uh man roy okay, was, okay. Um, and and phil smith and they came up to me and um, they were lovely and said, we like your stuff. And there's a game we're working on. We can't tell you what it is, um, but there's a part in it. And they said, and I've, I've said this a lot, so I apologize if you've heard this, Jeff, but they said, um, there's a part in it could have been written for you. And so obviously I'm thinking hero. Yeah. And when I get to the uh, the Soho audition room or whatever, mm -hmm. give me a bit of paper with the character breakdown and it doesn't say hero at all. <laughs> Heroes not mentioned. Um, it says uh, nerdy, sarcastic, lonely man. <laughs> and I'm like, and you're like oh, okay. how fucking dare you? I'm not lonely. <laughs> so that's me. So anyway, I did it. And apparently Sean was supposed to be a bit of a dandy, long sort of cigarette holder. 
kind of like oh a bit foppish was he a little a little fay a little yeah oh yeah and then uh, I mucked about a bit and um, ended up taking loads of pictures from different angles and went yeah and I think that Sean Hastings when people cosplay Sean Hastings it's very often a grey jumper and a white shirt and I think that might be just because on the day I turned up to have the photos taken I happened to be wearing a grey jumper wow. uh, and a white shirt and um, and it's brilliant I love it you know I get um, a kick out of it I was in uh, Venice not long ago I took my um, kid I was offered a chance to go on the Orient Express right so obviously yes it's all said, right being like successful isn't it it's nice <laughs> being successful in entertainment well, I got nice offered thing. an opportunity to just hop on the Orient Express with my family. Just I know. Well, yeah. I said I'll do it. Can I? I'll write a thing about it if I can. Can I take my son? And they said yes. And so I took my son, and we was this a ten-year-old? Ten-year-old, yeah. yeah. Um, he was maybe eight at the time. And um, that's a I had brave to buy him a choice. Jacket. I'm not sure eight-year-old. I, I wouldn't have been certain that an eight-year-old he, would appreciate uh, the the grandeur and the and the experience of being on a train for. A long period of time, I imagine you. Were well, having. it was it was also a bit weird because everyone else was either like celebrating a seventieth anniversary, yeah, or there was a hint of eroticism in the air, right? And then it was just me and a little boy. Um, so like we're just we're like hanging out and it's all it's all great and it's brilliant and we're waking up and there's the Alps and there's all this kind of stuff. Listening to old to people bonk in the next cabin next year. No, and we get to Venice and I'm like looking at the architecture and remembering like Assassin's Creed Two and yeah. I say to him, look, you know, I'm in this game, right? And it's called Assassin's Creed. And I said, you've not played it and you'll play it one day. And when you do, remember what you're looking at because you will see this again in the game. Mm -hmm. And But you'll be able to climb up it and you'll be able to do all this kind of crazy stuff. And um, this man walking past um, heard my voice and um, he went, sorry, are you, are you in Assassin's Creed? And I went, yes, I am. Because I thought it looked good in front of my son. Yeah. But when the guy went, I realized this man now thinks I just hang around in Venice talking loudly <laughs> about Assassin's Creed. Yes, you may remember vague... this. <laughs> in the vague hope someone will recognize me. I might have been there 10 years. I actually uh, played a character called Sean Hastings uh, <laughs> in, in the game called Assassin's Creed. I, yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't have held it against you if you did. I think that <laughs> it would have been a nice... He probably just assumed you were... Experiencing the, the reality Creed, of, of course, yeah. of course. Who me? Remember the first time me? I saw these buildings? <laughs> it was well, a digital Assassin's format. Two. Assassin's Creed Two. You may remember me from. Amazing. It's something. You know what? The video gaming audience as well. Because you've you've now, and this is, I think, the mark of. Um, I've been thinking a lot about success and about content and about what kind of things I want to create and what what is the mark of a a successful artist you know without sounding too poncy there sure and we're not I think, artists are we not artists i mean i'm an artist no. I'm a, i think i'm an artist I'm a, I'm a performer no. i'm an actor not and a an comedian artist. not you're an not artist. artist what am i you're a man you're having man. fun all right yeah. you know that's the thing we're not artists artists come on so do you artists have to be working with a specific medium artists wear berets and they have like a little I've got um, many berets like like i have Disney. many berets all right well maybe you're an artist um no, had a breakup once, will... considered cutting off my own ear. You know, I've, I've been through the <laughs> yeah. No, but what I think is that, well, anyway, outside of my, you know, what, whatever job title I fall under, I do think that the mark of success is, is exploring. I, I like being called a, re a renaissance man. I like a renaissance man. Mm -hmm. like, I like yeah, I to do, yeah, do yeah, lots yeah, of different good. things. And you're very much um, 
a renaissance man in with the number of different things that you've done with with a lot of success but also uh i think the the mark of success is really getting to have fun with all the projects you do and to build an audience that really buys into who you are no matter the project you're doing does that make sense so whether you're hosting a tv yeah. show or you're writing a book or you're doing a column in a magazine or you're appearing in a video game yeah or doing some voiceover in an animation or writing a movie whatever it happens to be if your audience can can travel with you to the next part of your exploration your artistic creative exploration totally. and you and I, I don't know if you found this but I'm, I'm experiencing it right now with the video gaming community they are mm -hmm voracious when it comes mm -hmm. to supporting the artists they like or the actors they like or the performers they like they are and, and not just the actors in the games they support the writers they support right. the the sound engineers they support the yeah. directors they retweet they yeah. the artists god the people who create these characters that we get to voice is mm -hmm. is you know there's, there's there's such an army of fans and um and I think they well, do. The, the jump thing from is, I think you've, you've you've picked up on two things there that strike a chord with me. Um, one is, um, if you like, my my career plan, such as it is, has always been, go where the fun is, and try and do the fun well, so that you then get asked to have more fun. Yeah. And it's like a, it's like this chair. It's like you can kind of point over here for a while, and have fun there. And if that goes quiet, you can pivot over here and have fun over there. And so long as you can keep pivoting and keep doing things, you'll always have fun. And if you do the fun well, there'll always be more fun. And the second thing... I get it, um, but I wouldn't open the set with the chair metaphor. I don't know if that's... Okay. No problem. And the second thing is about the, the people who like the stuff. If you can be friends with them, you know, if you can connect with them and have fun with them and make them part of stuff and bring them in um you'll have more fun absolutely and they will as well and i think that's something i've always tried to do i think that when i write the books i try and write them as if i am having a chat in the pub with the person who's reading it yeah so it feels well personal. your column do you still do that danny uh, danny wallace is a man do you still do that, that i did it for nearly 12 years and then the magazine sadly um, thanks to Brexit, I think, um, and rising paper costs and import stuff um, didn't do uh, as well as it was doing. That's incredibly sad and to so, hear. That was one of the only things I used to, in terms, especially as a like you know, a great you, mag, those Brilliant daily mags too. and and newspapers. The only yeah. thing I, I I really enjoyed that because all of those. But I'm I'm assuming you've taken all those pieces, like you own the the pieces of writing, and you maybe turn them I into do. a book of some sort or something of that nature. Yeah. I, I do a radio show at the minute, so what I do is anything because I would have to notice stuff all the time for, for for writing this column. It would be about my daily life, and so I was always having to notice stuff, and it was quite nice for a while not having to notice things, right? I understand. Not having to kind of go, uh, do you know what? I can turn it into something yeah. just to let things happen. But you were um, a master of doing that. Every one of those articles, that the reason why it was so fun to read is, as you say, it very much felt like you were telling me a funny story in the pub. You're going, oh, you're mm. never going to guess what happened the other night. And like, this is yeah. boom, 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 boom. And it's always got a good punch. You're very much, you, you structure your writing, at least in the short format, very much as a stand-up comedian does. Yeah. But yet you've never, as far as I know, you're not a stand-up. Have you ever- I'm not a stand-up. You've not, not done, have you ever done? The, the, the few times in my life where it, where, when it would have been the perfect time to do stand-up were also the worst possible times for me to do stand-up. Okay. So 
when I have been drawn to it has also been the time where it would have been the wrong sure. thing for me to do. Okay. So um, I worked as a journalist. Um, that would have been the wrong time for me to then become a stand-up because mm -hmm. I would have been criticised a lot yeah. and it would have been an awful experience, particularly back then. I think now you'd sort of be better, it's much more supportive uh, community than it was. Mm, then I was depends, a depends comedy where you are. <laughs> <laughs> then I was a comedy producer. Um, and after that would have been the perfect time and yet the worst possible time right. because also, you know, you've just been a producer. Um, and I've managed to sort of scratch that itch by doing stuff about the books and doing shows about the books and stuff. So I, I've had that live audience thing. In a similar way to, um, what's his name? Um, oh, goodness. Uh, fuck, he did one where he found as many people with his same the same name. Dave Gorman. Dave Gorman, I think, does a similar thing where it's almost like... Yeah, and yeah. Ricky Gervais, to some extent, in his live shows, they're not straight stand-up shows. They're very, very amusing TED Talks or, or, or yeah. you know, an evening with kind of experiences yes. yeah true true no there's definitely there's definitely things in sympathy with uh with a lot of what you're saying yeah yeah so there was never like the right time for stand up but that's all right because you're already a successful novelist you've already you've written you've been a screenwriter you've been an actor you've been a voice actor you've been a journalist you've done tv shows you've got a radio show you've done a fair bit danny well uh, yes i've kept busy um, yeah. Which is why during quarantine, this is so um, alien to me. Yeah. This idea of um, just thing after thing being cancelled. Mm -hmm. um, do you know, weirdly, at the start, it was kind of, you sort of felt, oh, okay, this is quite nice, actually. Because I've, you feel like the world is moving so fast around you and you have to keep up with it that when the whole world stops, you're like, well, this is cool. This is fine. We're all gonna, we're all just gonna take a moment. But then you think about the people whose entire, um, entire income um, is sort of decimated immediately, mm. and and all the things that they can't do. Yeah. And and you think about the people who who live in like a a one bedroom flat and they've got seventeen children mm. and no garden. And um, and they're probably and making their eighteenth right now. That's the probably yeah yeah they're probably at twenty three by now. Yeah, you know. Um. So so yeah, you, you know, it's like right at the very start. I I mentioned that I had a garden, and then I said that um, we all have to say, oh, apologize for having a garden, but it is like you you do realize how lucky you are. I think. Absolutely, I think it's uh it's certainly a skill set. Like, don't get me wrong, I'm. My girlfriend is a musician, and I'm a consider myself an actor and a stand-up. And all of the work has been cancelled for both of us. But then we have the ability to go, okay, using technology, how do we create our own work? How do we create a revenue source and a revenue yeah. stream? And there's some people who just go, I'm a fucking builder, and I'm not allowed to go to the building site. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm fucked. I can't do anything right now except... Yeah. So uh, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. We're quite fortunate in that way. We never sorted out the fee dreaming. for this. Was it? Did you say five thousand dollars? Absolutely. Yeah, five thousand dollars. I'm going to wire it to you through. It'll come through a Ugandan website. You'll get an email shortly. Okay. And that's uh, a guarantee. You, yeah. You, yeah. You have to send two thousand over first, so we can change that, and then you get the fine. payout from the prince. And fine, fine. It'll come through. Fine. Whatever so you, it don't, takes. you don't mind it in Ugandan dollars, do you? No. Okay. okay good. We prefer it. Pretty powerful right now. Actually, the pound is weak enough that probably the Ugandan dollar is, <laughs> isn't it? Fucking breaks it. Um, 
Okay, I'm going to let you go because I know you've got three children to go and look after, and uh, I know oh, this they're is all probably... asleep now. But that's great. Yeah, no, I will. I'll go upstairs and enjoy the silence. Go and have a glass of wine with your lovely wife and, and enjoy some downtime. But um, thank you so much for joining me today, man. It was this is uh, the longest conversation I think we've had, uh, other than maybe uh, one social social one. But this is a more in depth conversation than we've ever had, and I've enjoyed it very it's much. Certainly, it's certainly one of the few where I've I've ended up n- not injured. There you go emotionally or physically and yeah. and also i'm glad you know talking about right times for things i'm glad that uh you know i waited until i was a little mature and a little bit more mature and a little bit more and sober and, and various things to have a conversation with someone i respect you know of this of this length oh, and, uh, and have a good have a good old chat with you rather than just like a a, a very wishy-washy one because i wasn't in the right place so so thank Probably. you, man. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, make sure you check out Danny Wallace. Now, tell us what's going on for you right now. You've got a radio show that you are still able to do. I'm Even not here in... to plug anything. No, I'm but I'd like to. to. I'd like to because I, I think that um, a lot of my <laughs> well, listeners, I, a lot of my No viewers, one here got... can hear it. No one here can hear the radio show. Oh, absolutely, they can online. Oh, okay. These are, you're talking to people who are a lot of my fans are hardcore nerds. They know how to get the content. Also, even if they can't listen to the radio show, they can certainly purchase the books, which I'm I'm assuming are all available on Amazon and every good bookstore. You can go on online. Amazon and uh, search for Danny Wallace, or you can yeah, if you uh, you know I'm yeah in America people download the podcast, the important broadcast. That's what it's called, Danny Wallace's important broadcast. Okay. So uh, you can hear my important thoughts. I'm gonna put I'm gonna put links into the uh, into the description below as well for that as well. And then also if you're if you want to check out some of the books, um, what books would you like to push them in the direction of? Yes, man. Uh, join me. I am not a pushy man. Um, uh, uh, search my name. Hey, see what you fancy. I'm a fan, and I'm looking for a few Danny Wallace books. Give me a couple of. Them. Search my name. <laughs> see what. See what you like. Ah, you're too modest. All right, check him out, Danny Wallace, and also uh, just give me your social media tags. Let's do that at least. Um, at Danny Wallace there you uh, go. on Twitter. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, so Listen, easy. Um, uh, these two, uh, the the sort of is that it looks like the edge being um, a mermaid that can stay. Tentacle dog definitely. Burn the top one. No, Dan Lloyd was um, my first fifty dollars subscriber. He has to it. stay here for all time. Burn it. You know what? And I'll give him a little use, chest hair. What, use that house fire behind you to burn it. What would what would what would improve the image for you? Maybe some chest hair. Is he too ripped? Is he too? I mean, because look at the attention to detail. Look at that. It. Maybe putting like a sheet of A4 paper over it. Come on, what have you got against horses? He's a, it's, he's a majestic centaur. Big old. It just muscles. looks wrong. Just looks, um, it looks a little sexy. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that, Daddy. Nothing wrong with being a little sexy. Ladies and gentlemen, Danny Wallace, thank you very much, sir. I appreciate you, you. And hopefully, oh, we'll yeah. see you again in the future. Take care. <laughs> <laughs>